Good evening, Cantina Dwellers. Welcome to another exciting round of drinks brought to you by our favorite barkeep, Leah Love. And with her, as always, is the one, the only, Ken Benobi. Leah, how are we doing tonight? I'm really good. How are you doing, Ken? I am giddy because tonight's topic is one I have been waiting for for a while. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite Star Wars video games, probably one a lot of our listeners, Cantina Dwellers, have never heard of before. Mysteries of the Sith. Yeah, you have been bugging me about this for months and just a bit. And while I know video games... Really, the only video games that I'm familiar with is SWOTAR, which is an MMO. Uh, SWOTAR stands for Star Wars The Old Republic. Uh, Battlefront, which, funny enough, I didn't know that Battlefront, it wasn't until, I don't know, I want to say like a year or two ago, that I realized Battlefront was Star Wars. And then, of course, the Lego games. Um, <laughs> I did which is play... Actually, which is, I was going to say, it was too bad because Tor is a sequel to KOTOR, which I do know KOTOR. if you've never played. Okay, good, good. But I just remember uh, with Lego, once you can shoot lightning out of your fingers, like, that's all you use. There was nothing nothing for it. However, uh, the when it comes to the Force Awakens uh, Lego game, man, the dialogue is great. Just chef's kiss like just, you, probably because they actually pulled it from the movies or well, i'm sorry movie i should say they uh, did, and they they did have the side missions yes where they actually wrote the stories and they had the actors actually come back because for example there's a pretty famous one of kylo ren and it's like why didn't he just go and pick up you know the the lightsaber and his he you hear him going so much cooler like you know it's just making fun uh so you know and it's actually adam driver saying it so it's a lot of that's really fun yeah and then they also got harrison ford to do his work for his side mission and oscar isaac for his Mm -hmm. and it was actual stuff that also could have been in the movie but let's not digress too much because i kind of want to get right into it i know i will give a disclaimer that we're probably going to be talking about some subjects that are controversial in nature that will not be concluded tonight. Just, you know, we might touch on some things. I'm sure some of us are listening are probably like ethics and journalism, stuff like that. But we do have plans to have similar episodes So anything that we bring up that you might think has been unfinished or you want us to elaborate on, don't worry. Those episodes will be coming. Excellent. Excellent. So, Mysteries of the Sith. I cannot say enough about this game. It's a game that got me through middle school, into high school, and even into college. It's one that, for me, has lots of replayability, which is very rare for a lot of games. But... I am what you would call a zenial in that I'm right in between. I'm not angsty enough to be a Gen Xer, but I'm not weird enough to be, uh, what do you call them, a millennial or whatever it is, a Gen Z or whatever. 
I don't know. How would you describe it? Like I, I'm one of the last generation, the last generation that had a rotary phone. They used dial up that I got through high school before I got a cell phone. I was on the cusp of the internet. Like I actually had to go to the library to do research in books. Like Google was not allowed. Wikipedia wasn't even a thing. I'm going to interrupt you a little bit. Please. I know what year you were born, and I'm going to disappoint you just a little bit. Please. You're not a zennial. You are a millennial. I I am a zennial. I know you don't want to be. And it's not saying, and it's not invalidating what you went through because I'm, because when it comes to micro generations, you've got these little fringes and depending on where you are and where you were. So for example, the more rural you were versus urban, there was a lot, a slower progress, but your birth date is officially a millennial. My birth year is the last year of the Zennial. Uh, of the micro generation, not saying that you didn't go through all of those things. Cause I went through all of them, but I know, cause we talk about, you know, when you saw episode one, I was 18. I was about to graduate high school. You, you were not, you were, <laughs> you were, were a few years apart. Oh no. I take that back. I keep thinking it's in like 2001. It's 1999. I was, I was able to drive. I was able to drive. You were still in middle school. I was firmly in high school when it came out. So there's still Wait, some things about that happened. About to turn happen. 14, though. So we're only like, what, two years apart? That's not that far. No, it's not that far. And you you did grow up in a more rural location than I did. So that's where those fringes are coming from. And I, But I grew up with grandparents. For me, yeah, I know I had a rotary phone, that yellow manila rotary phone that everybody had. Yep, I have it. The Tupperware. Yes, the Tupperware. And I was living in a more urban area. So these things happen for me a little bit faster than you. But given who my family was and my family makeup, they actually happened about the same time for both of us. But that's my little like off screen. But I think it's really interesting. And you mentioned that it got you not only through middle school and high school, but also college. Can you please elaborate on that? So for me... This game is I'm I'm a very old school gamer. 2D Super Mario, Super Mario One, Super Mario Three, Super Mario World. Those are Sonic the Hedgehog series, the original 2D side scroller games. Those are my bread and butter. So 3D was relatively new, and I got to witness its birth and where it is now. I mean, obviously, this is going to be a game where you look at it now, it is far and away like bear skins and stone knives very rudimentary very basic i could see a lot of people turned off by it because of just how dated the technology is but for me it was like that was top of the line and it allowed me to explore the world of star wars in a way that hadn't been done before and even so it it allowed me to play as a an expanded universe character that ordinarily maybe not given her fair due especially in the day and age where you had Lara Croft Tomb Raider who arguably was popular mostly because of how she was portrayed and we all heard the story about the glitch quote-unquote which Mm -hmm. um I'm gonna say they probably knew about it but didn't want to do anything about it because yep 
sex sells and exploitation unfortunately also sells which isn't fair so anyway that's a huge because i also did grow up on mario and the whole 2d games game boy and super nintendo and everything like that i remember when n64 came out and goldfinger was amazing uh, but i never felt psst, connected psst, to psst, such a game psst. it's golden eye Oh, <laughs> although Goldfinger is probably the best Bond movie ever. I will fight anyone on that. That is true. Gold, Goldfinger, the movie is amazing. You are correct. It's Goldeneye. Uh, <laughs> Pierce Brosnan is, as 007. He was my, I hated him so much as 007. But yeah, anyway. But Goldeneye is such a great movie too. Like, it, come on. it is. It really is a great movie. But going back, <laughs> you know, I grew up with these games. And while I stopped playing them at a certain point, not because necessarily I disliked gaming. Things happen. You get involved with school more. Clubs and sports and friends and different interests take a precedent for some people. I think it's very interesting because when I think of Super Mario Brothers, right? I've got a Wii. Not a Wii, I'm sorry. I've got a, a Switch and I've got the subscription. So I play all those like old games and oh my gosh, are they hard? Like they're so hard. And I can't wait until my niece is old enough to start playing video games because these are the games that she's going to grow up on. I'm going to have her grow up on these games. But getting back to the question, this one game in particular took you through three stages of life. I don't think that that really happens much with people. So could you please elaborate on what you mean by that? Oh, absolutely. But before I do that, I'm about to blow your mind. Ready? Ready? Here we go. Here we go. That's what I'm all about. That's what I'm all about. This is an old school Game Boy Advance with the original Super Mario Brothers. What? Oh, yes. Handheld Super oh Mario Brothers. And the good stuff doesn't stop there. I've also got Super Mario World Love Super Mario that I never World. had. Oh, I never had a Super Nintendo. But here it is right there. Super Mario Brothers 3. Probably one of my top three favorite video games of all time. Yep. So, yeah, oh, yeah. You want to talk about waiting till kiddos are old enough? My boys, they're getting to be my age when I learned how to play Mario. And I learned all the secrets. I learned all the moves at four years old. And they stuck with me. And they still are there to this day. I still got the reflexes. It's awesome. <laughs> so, okay. To answer your question, it's all about immersion. It's all about escapism. Replayability is something that gamers look for when it comes to the content they consume. A lot of games really don't have that, especially with the advent of multiplayer now where you can play online. Single player sometimes takes a backseat. And for a game like Mysteries of the Sith and its predecessor, Jedi Knight, you got to feel like you were an actual Jedi. Lightsaber, force use, the whole shot, expansive levels that had little nooks and crannies for you to explore. You forgot that the engine got slowly more and more outdated. You forgot that there were newer games to play. Oh yes, I played Knights of the Republic 1 and 2. I played Battlefronts 1 and 2, the original Battlefronts 1 and 2. I played Jedi Outcast and Jedi Academy, the sequels to Jedi Knight. Uh, Mysteries of the Sith, to get into its history real fast, is actually an expansion. It's considered a companion mission pack for Jedi Knight, which Jedi Knight is a sequel to the video game Dark Forces, which came out in 1995. And 
in itself was likely a response to Doom, which was the original ultra classic first person shooter on the PC. And there were so many mods for it. It was kind of one of those, well, why isn't there a Star Wars game like it? Well, there it was in 95. They decided to go for it, and they did. They took what Doom did and just expanded on it. Doom was first person, but you could only look left to right. Dark Forces gave you a full 360-degree view where you could actually look up and down, too. And the engine was a little bit crisper. There was a little bit more to it in terms of 3D graphics. So it, it took some leaps from Doom, which at the time were revolutionary. Fast forward a couple of years, the inevitable sequel came with Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight, where it took the character of Kyle Katarn and, okay, he's going to have force powers. And the story is pretty basic, although I am going to say right now that it was Force Awakens before Force Awakens, and we can get into that another day because, <laughs> oh yes. So a year later, in comes this game, Mysteries of the Sith, that's companion missions. And it took sort of the same engine with a few improvements, and it went forward in time for the timeline and introduced players to Mara Jade as a side character of sorts. You play as Kyle. Isn't this the game that has the only recorded voice of Mara Jade? Yes. Okay. I could, well, then again, I could be wrong. They did have a few real-time strategy games, and Mara Jade might have been in there. I haven't played those in a very long time, and I don't recall them including her. But predominantly, yes, Mara Jade, this is probably the, the only, like, character, full dialogue, full story. And the game itself, you start off as Kyle, you play a couple levels, and then he's like, oh, I'm going to go go do this thing. And then you take over to play the rest of the game as Mara Jade, you know, being 13, 14 years old playing this game. I'm like, this is awesome. This is just more star Wars and Mara Jade's an awesome character. And you went on adventures and you did stuff and it was great. Absolutely great to play the game itself. It has some pitfalls predominantly being that it's companion missions. It should have been its own actual standalone game. It really should have. And I, I, if I could go back in time and tell LucasArts to make it its own game, I would. Now, that is a really interesting point because what you're describing is you've got this big history and you've got these pretty big games. And then here's this one. And it just seems like you keep, you say companion missions. So it's like supplemental information. It's not really... It sounds like it's not really a standalone game in itself that you have to either play these games originally or kind of just be ignorant to it. But the reverse is not true. You don't need to play this game to make the others work. Absolutely. They do the classic Star Wars trope of having an opening crawl where it, it explains what's going on. In this instance, it's about 10 years after... The Battle of Yavin. Kyle Katarn had his adventures with the Darksiders, Jarek, and his gang. And it's five years after that. So, again, ten years after Battle of Yavin. And he's met up with Mara Jade, who herself had escaped some conditioning as the Emperor's Hand. 
Her mission was to kill Luke Skywalker, which those of us who have read the Timothy Zahn Heir to the Empire trilogy know that that mission was technically succeeded. Spoiler alert. So now she's trying to find her own way in the galaxy, and she happens upon Kyle. And yeah, it it is technically considered an expansion pack. I do believe when it was originally released, you had to have Jedi Knight installed in order to play the game, which doesn't make sense because future iterations, you could actually just play it without needing anything else. And even future releases of Jedi Knight had it included as kind of like a bonus and it had its own disc, its own install, everything. So it's one of those weird kind of companion mission expansion pack. I just call it Mysteries of the Sith and it's its own thing because the fact is you play as Mara Jade through a series of adventures, which are fun. They're great. They have a lot going for them. But at the end of the day, because of how it's executed, the very rushed feeling, it's almost like it's not an afterthought per se, but she's not given her proper due. Like fully. Now, oh my God, my brain is just lighting up with questions and comments about this. Do it. Let's have it. So, oh gosh, okay, where to start? From a game design perspective, just, and mm-hmm. this is really just kind of a yes or no question. If you had to have this other game installed for this to work, did what you did in Mysteries of the Sith feed into the progress of the game Jedi Knight? Absolutely not, because Jedi Knight is Kyle's journey from discovering his force potential to defeating the bad guy. So it has and that's no, it. It has no bearing on it whatsoever. Exactly. Mysteries of the Sith picks up five years after that, and Kyle is a, a journeyman. He's still helping out the New Republic, doing his his thing, and he's just trying to help this other person along who themselves had their brush with the dark side. He goes off on a mission to explore the Sith Temple on Dromenkos, which if you've played Tor, you know that very well. And it's Mara who finds him there. He has become kind of engrossed in the dark side there, and she has to pull him back, which which should have been the moral conundrum for the game because the original... Why wasn't it? I don't know, and that's something I, I wish they could have done. Given Mara's backstory, you would think that she would be one of the first to be kind of tempted, having tasted that power, having been exposed to it, been around it, to really truly pull herself away from it on her own through her own force of will and then help this other guy too you again as a player could have had the moral conundrum of does she take out kyle and then take over the temple that he's in and start shenanigans or do you do the right thing and stay true to the light side but wasn't her story already established in the expanded universe prior to this game being created yes At the same time, you and I both know that people are fickle in that just when we think we've outgrown certain traits and tendencies, we're still human. I can be an adult all the live long day, but I'm still going to act in a way that people kind of scratch their heads going, aren't aren't you a little old for that? Aren't you, shouldn't you not, you know, those sorts of things. Case in point, Luke Skywalker in the sequels, Yoda says, hey, never is mine where he was, what he was doing. You know, Luke's head was always off in the future, off in the clouds. That's something that could just be an inherent trait of his. And in a sense, it was in going into the sequels. It's not something he fully outgrew. So when it comes to characters like Mara Jade, having been trained to be this 
this blunt instrument for the emperor. Dark side, very tempting thing, this power to be exposed to it in such a raw, very visceral way. Because I tell you, the three levels you play on Dromenkos are just so <laughs> utterly good. Like, I, I can't. It just, they're creepy. They are scary. They screw with your mind. You don't know what's coming at you or what's hitting you. You only have your lightsaber. You try to fire your gun, it just spits off some sparks. And she kind of goes, hmm. Like, you only it? have your wits, and it's really, really good. But is it Forgotten Souls? Scary. I've never played Forgotten Souls. Okay. I was going to say more Clock Tower scary. Have you ever played Clock Tower? I didn't, no. But I'll take your word for it. Okay. You mentioned something at the very top of the show about Laura Croft. And yes, at the time, Laura Croft was the only female protagonist in gaming at the time. I mean, yes, you had characters like Princess Peach and Princess Daisy from the Mario's trilogy and all their games, but those were side characters, right? And you really didn't get to see them kind of be a, a quote-unquote main character until Mario Kart, when you could play side characters, which, spoiler alert, my sister and I only played Yoshi and Princess Peach in that game because of course we did, because they were, you know, the cutest and somebody who looked like us. Why is it, do you think, that Mara Jade was basically relegated to this main side character in this game and never utilized again. Because the way that the game sounds like is that, okay, got the setup from Jedi Knight and this happens five years, that it could easily transition and make her a player character in Battlefield or at least a, a recurring character or, or an NPC. But it seems like this was... The only time, and that was it. That's a difficult question to answer because I'm going to say that there's probably some, not office politics, but definitely some corporate politics happening. Mara Jade was not a George Lucas creation. So the licensing stuff when it came to things like video games and merchandise, Lucasfilm had the final say as to what ultimately got made, what got promoted, that sort of thing. So Mara Jade, unfortunately, was more a character for the novels than anything else. But this was a LucasArts game, though. You're absolutely right. At the same time, LucasArts was a subsidiary of Lucasfilm, and you still had to somehow incorporate, in some way, the big three, the overall big idea. Now, some games got away with not doing that, Jedi Knight and Dark Forces being one of them, although Dark Forces, you got to face off against Boba Fett. So there was still some sort of original trilogy-ness incorporated somewhere, but Jedi Knight and Mysteries of the Sith do not suffer from that necessary contrivance, or unnecessary contrivance, I should say. Jedi Outcast and Jedi Academy, Luke Skywalker is a supporting character in that he is running his academy and Kyle first goes to him to get his lightsaber back and outcast and then Kyle is one of the instructors at Luke's academy. And Luke is more prominent in academy as he is technically one of the main masters that your character Jaden Core interacts with. So again, it all boiled down to what licensing likely allowed and at the same time, the fear of diminishing returns. I'm just going to call it what it is. I think it's insincere to say that she 
was not a Lucas character, so she couldn't be a part of anything bigger than this when this project was solely under the control of Lucas Arts, i.e., Lucas Films. Sure, sure. I don't, I don't disagree. It's, I'm kind of tiptoeing around the actual thing I'm trying to say. And why I, are you tiptoeing? I, Since when do we tiptoe? Okay, the antiquated misogynistic idea of women don't sell games, which there isn't fair. Because again, at 13, that sort of thing didn't bother me. I didn't, the first thing that popped in my brain was, hey, Star Wars, I get to play more Star Wars. Hey, it's Marjorie, this is awesome. It's not, it's a girl. I don't want to play with a girl. She ran around with a purple lightsaber, carried the same kind of DL-44 pistol that Han Solo carries. She blew her way into a hut's palace and held him at gunpoint to get what she needed. She infiltrated a spaceport. She went into a creepy-ass Sith temple and pull the dude back from the brink of damnation of the dark side don't you tell me she's not an awesome character to play as i'm not saying that but you are correct and i think that this opens up a wider issue regarding gaming and it's one of those things where yes you're correct sucks sells and you being 13 is like i don't care who the protagonist is it's star wars and i think the majority of children or majority of people who were not purchasing these games with their own money would think the same thing. I think it is actually very rare for somebody to go, oh, it's a girl, never mind. I think that all of the marketing, however, was to catch the eyes of children, but ultimately to convince the parents to buy the game. And at that point, you know, parents are saying, Little boys don't play with dolls. Little boys don't play with female characters. That's not okay. Oh, I don't disagree. And I still will always remember when I was four years old, I went to a day sitter whose little girl was my age. We were born a day apart. I made an offhand comment about, oh, girls can't play with Ninja Turtles. So the day sitter went to whatever local big box store and got her Donatello, an awesome one. Yeah. And she played with it and I wasn't allowed to because, well, that was hers. You know, it was <laughs> I mean, four years old, people. Your day sitter now, showed you for sure. Well, and I brought this up before. I also grew up on X-Men the Animated Series where the first main X-Men you see are Storm and Rogue. The first ones you see use their powers. And they're my two favorite. Oh, and both of them took some names and kicked some serious, serious butt. And again... I didn't care about those arbitrary traits. I understand the significance and why they're important, but because of those arbitrary traits, it didn't make or break the character for me. I saw people first. I saw leaders. I saw depth. I saw mentorship. I saw leadership. I saw strength, power. I saw people, I guess. You know what I mean? And that's the whole point of making, when you put characters like that, either persons of color or women or LGBT that you put these minorities in front first, people don't care. Like you said, I kids don't care that they're young because they're not seeing that. Again, it's not for the child, right? Because it, it isn't, it isn't. It does it so that it's like it introduces the child to diversity and saying, hey, diversity is a great thing that even though you have Storm who was a princess from Africa, right? And you, a white little boy from Wisconsin, 
and but you could relate to her means that there's more that we can relate to besides what we look on the outside but to parents and everything those are where we're learning those are where kids are learning the dangerous thoughts the not okay thoughts i mean i can i can tell some scary stories about my own grandmother my my father's mother just making offhanded comments and blowing my eyes open at five years old, right? When they shouldn't be. Sure. And having to kind of struggle against that because they these ideas get implanted because children's brains are sponges. So I think it's really a disservice to not have let her stay a character or be a re- reoccurring character in, in other games. And I think that also this... Oh, what's a good word for it? This neglect has led to, and I believe fed into, one of the reasons why people and the fandom became so critical of Ray. And while people can jump at me and go, that's such a stretch, I'm going to plug our next episode has one of my very good friends, one of my best friends, she's like my sister. She has loved Star Wars since the beginning. She knows way more than I do. She is a force to be reckoned with, and we are going to be discussing women in Star Wars, both on screen and off, and the importance of having a female voice in the fandom. So we hope that you check that out and listen to that. So there's my little plug for that. We're definitely going to be getting into kind of that meat and potatoes next next episode, but it's just such... you You think that it's this jump, but really... And you'll hear how we talk about it. It's not that big of a jump. There are steps that are made, be it the amount of time that's in between movies, the way that they've written certain female characters throughout the time. It really, to me, I'm like, that's a logical jump. All really awesome points. And I, for one, cannot wait to meet this friend of yours only because I'm excited to put my knowledge up against someone else's and just geek out in a very gleeful... (laughs) <laughs> her abilities have made her well arrogant oh she's a sith for sure <laughs> in a very awful ewan mcgregor obi-wan voice which we're getting closer to the show and i am starting to lose my mind i know to go back to one of your points about the importance of getting diversity on screens in front of people i don't think it's too much of a stretch to say back then there was a subtlety in how it went about. The selling point of Mysteries of the Sith wasn't that it was a woman. It wasn't any sex appeal. I'm going to go on record as saying I never once thought of Lara Croft as as having any sort of sex appeal. I'm as straight as they come. I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable with myself, like secure and all that jazz. But I never once thought, oh, I'm going to play Tomb Raider because I want to look at Lara Croft's glitch assets, (laughs) quote-unquote glitch. Uh Uh-huh. Mara Jade, her, the way she's portrayed, she looks like she belongs in the Star Wars universe and there is zero sex appeal. She's wearing a Han Solo style smuggler's coat, slacks, the knee-high boots. She's got the belt that has the holster on it. Honestly, you put a different head on it from behind. It looks like it could be a male character. And while one of the drawbacks is for the game itself, you could actually put Kyle in those adventures instead of Mara. That's kind of a good thing in that, again, the selling point isn't that it's a woman. And 
By today's standards, unfortunately, the more insidious way that a lot of companies market some of these things now, it's not necessarily pandering, but it definitely skirts that line of, hey, consume this content, buy this product because of these arbitrary traits, which while not a bad thing in that it's good to get diversity out there, I'm never not going to be like, hey, why do I have to see this? That's not it. The risk that you then take is, is this going to be a character that can be for everyone and anyone? Or are they representative of something in real life? And I think that's the difference between Ray and Mara Jade. Ray, in a way, is supposed to be a representation of something in real life. Female empowerment, not a bad thing. And we can argue till we're both blue as the blue milk Luke drinks in A New Hope as to her arc and any sort of character sort of flaws that she has to overcome. The fact that she doesn't, whether or not she actually faces any sort of real adversity. Again, these are these are things we can debate. And I'm not trying to sound like an ignoramus or insensitive or a jerk. I'm simply trying to be objective when I present that because these are healthy things to talk about. If only to understand different points of view because Ray means something different to you than she does to me. And yeah. And full dis full full disclaimer, real quick. I've got a whole shelf of of Ray Black you Series do. figures. I I have I've seen the, the the Graflex lightsaber that is in the Last Jedi configuration. I guess they call it because it's mm -hmm. got a, a brass brass yeah. eye. Like you cannot tell me I don't like this character. I think she had a lot of potential, and I feel like just Disney's overall handling of the sequels kind of <sighs> didn't serve her character as well as they probably could have. But I do like the character i do while that's a valid that's a valid critique of how the character was handled we hear it a lot and i'm not saying this about you but there's more insidious things and ideas that are that behind the people who are saying that but i think that sure absolutely you really, your your point about how Mara Jade versus Ray, and that is something that I have already marked down, we are going to be talking about next time. That is such a good talking point about how, to you, Mara Jade was supposed to be representative of something real, but yet, yet Ray wasn't. And that critique is, but neither was Luke, but everybody loves Luke for that. Luke, though, you could easily argue because he was based on Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, Hero I of a thousand faces. That he was actually based on that. I think that George Lucas wrote a story and then his wife edited the movie, won an Oscar for it, and then everybody yes. went, Oh, hey, look, this actually mimics this. So I don't think it was George Lucas. I actually think it was his wife who kind of realized this. And granted, we don't have any her owning up to any of this, but the original intention was not to follow that. Uh, Joseph Campbell is on record as saying, Luke. George Lucas actually had lengthy conversations with him about Dang the hero's it. journey. I'm sorry. But before I the just... <laughs> movie was made or after? <laughs> While Lucas was writing it. Remember, Lucas started writing the draft in 1973. Yeah. So he he went through several iterations and really tried to make something work. I don't disagree. Marsha Lucas, she is the reason why Star Wars is so good. Lucas is the – he's the big picture guy. Yeah. Marsha Lucas – she got the details together. Marsha Lucas and is the one that knows how things work. Pretty much. <laughs> and so you're, you're getting into 
mythology and does Ray follow any of those? Now, granted, we didn't want another rehash of that same hero's journey. They could have smartly pulled in some of those facets, but again, that's another conversation for another time. We're going to be discussing that next week for sure. Absolutely. But back, back to the game, back to the game, when you're actually playing it, the physics itself, I mean, it'll drive you nuts because <laughs> it's kind of hyper-realistic and... I mean, I don't know. I I love being able to just run around in the world and I I forget that the textures are really bad and that the geometry is kind of rudimentary by comparison. But has this game just, been remastered? Oh god, no. They okay. I don't I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that we get some kind of like we're too late for a twenty fifth anniversary, maybe a thirtieth anniversary in a more modern engine, especially with Knights of the Republic getting a remaster. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, unfortunately, Steam being what it is with Windows 10, for a while now there, 11. you could oh, you could actually run it pretty decently on Windows 7. Uh, but now the way the, the coding works and how they talk to each other, it it's pretty. So it's, it can get a it can get a little muddy, and for reasons that escape me, they didn't use high res sounds. That was an actual option back then because sound cards they were not what they are today. So Jedi Knight, yeah, so Jedi Knight, you had the ability to choose between high resolution sounds and low resolution sounds and the difference is night and day. And for whatever reason, Mysteries of the Sith only had low resolution sound, which I can't tell you why they 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 did that. But once you get past again, I, I pro, okay. <laughs> they can do it because one like you said it was a supplemental thing and they weren't expecting it to be essentially a, a box office hit. They weren't expecting it to be a mass seller. It was for collectors or people who, fans of the current games, to give supplemental information. It wasn't supposed to be a main focus. And because right. of that, they didn't put in everything. Now, we know audio today and that, oh, hey, it's not that difficult to make these tweaks. At the time... No, it was very hard to do digital things. A lot of things were still done on actual tape. Uh, mm-hmm. Shows were still filmed on actual film. And now it's a it's a nuanced thing. So, for example, the show Euphoria, Kodak actually makes film specifically for that show. Nobody can get a hold of that physical film wow. for themselves. They manufacture this film specifically for the show Euphoria, and that is how Euphoria is is shot. Other movies do the same things, uh, and audio doesn't do it. You know, I, I mean, I'm a huge Beatles fan, and one of the reasons why I love the Beatles is their technological advancements in both music but also in audio and art. That's what made them great, and one of the things that they did was they had to layer sounds, but you only had mono or stereo. You only had mm-hmm. up to two tracks, so oh, they sure. would have people all around the studio, tape in hand, ready to feed in, and a conductor telling them when to start their feed while they're recording. That's why it's very difficult to, and it takes a lot of time and money to essentially defrag, to separate all of the tracks because you have to have those physical tape masters to be able to do it. And that's one of the reasons why they could. That's why this is, and I think that that's why this has also been left on the, essentially the cutting room floor. It's now it's, it's you would, I would say, I'm going to ask you, is it playable at all? If you 
have a newer machine? Absolutely. You just have to get past some very muddy looking textures, very low resolution by our standards. You have to get past some lower resolution sound, which, what's your favorite Beatles record? <laughs> well, it's a toss up between Lucy, uh, I'm sorry, Sgt. Pepper's and uh, Abbey Road. Okay. Sgt. Pepper's okay. was the first, was actually the first album I ever bought, but it was also nice. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds was the first song I ever learned when I was a toddler. Nice. Uh, but my mother was always like, Abbey Road's going to be your favorite. And man, do I love some Abbey Road, but I also Abbey cling. Fantastic. It's fantastic, but I cling to my Sgt. Pepper's because I don't want her to be right still after all these years. See, I'm, I'm a rubber soul. No, not Rubber Soul. I'm sorry. Uh, revolver. I'm a Revolver Abbey Road guy. That's kind of rare because a lot of people think that they sold out with that. Oh, no. Revolver's great. I mean, it is a great album. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Love it. I mean, in fact, oh my gosh. I can't pull it out. Right up here, uh, I have the Beatles anthology book. I just put it Very away cool. today. Very so. cool. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. One of these days we'll have to geek out on our Beatles music because I've, I've got them all. I mean, my, my dad was obviously of that era so he had them all and help is a fantastic movie i love also help helps great record um help, anyway so the song really showed much. his john lennon's genius because when you listen to those lyrics and i mean mm -hmm. it's in the name help mm -hmm. i need somebody help but because yep. it is done to such an upbeat poppy sound you ignore what the lyrics are saying and it took me well oh, into yeah. adulthood to realize that Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. But again, we are digressing a little bit, but you brought up the Beatles and that's another one of my favorite <laughs> things. So see, just see, this is, this is why we work so well as, as a duo because we have so many awesome similarities and in, in tastes and stuff. So yeah, going back to the game. Yes. Very playable. Again, rudimentary geometry by today's standards, some muddy textures due to the conversion to playing on more modern processors and such i will say though that it does have some things going for it for example it had colored lighting which was very rare for a 3d game of its generation so it's one of the first 3d games to actually do that um it also utilizes actual john williams music none nothing synthesized or or sort of that that midi type stuff this is actual like chopped up and edited for the levels do the other you games not utilize john williams music if they did it was through the, the engine that it was made with so it was very like synthesized type stuff so they were allowed to use the the sheet music i'm sure but it wasn't like the actual like audio recordings of the London Symphony Orchestra with him conducting it. It was again made in a studio by by some some other composer. Gotcha. And also, hey, as a treat, I didn't get a chance to say this. There's a hidden level. You actually get to play as Luke Skywalker on Bespin. You get to face down against Boba Fett. And unfortunately for some dumb reason, you don't face Darth Vader initially. You actually face off against dark versions of Mara and Kyle. But there's a there was a a mod that somebody made for it a couple years after the game came out where they'd actually put Darth Vader in there so it actually works better. <laughs> oh god, okay. I was gonna say it sounds like those were some storylines that didn't get utilized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it because of the capabilities 
and the time they had, I feel like, yeah, they, they kind of rushed through it and there was so much more they could have done. As expansive as it is, as fun as it is, again, they really missed their mark with allowing it to be its own thing. And we'll never know the true full story as to why I'm we can make some very educated guesses as to why I still cannot recommend this game enough just because it gives you something that is very unique but still very Star Wars so for example one of the first big missions that you undertake as Mara you have to go to a spaceport and the level itself size wise is not very big but it's still big because they smartly use the space to construct these it feels like it just goes forever but it's not it's 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 a very well crafted maze and there's little nooks and crannies and rooms and and levels upon levels and sub levels and secret areas and you got guys that are hurling bombs at you from this these out of nowhere places that you can eventually get to if you know where to look for them and it it's the sound effects the, they, they pull images that they convert into textures of doors and and facade and things. So it, it just it feels Star Wars. There's even a, a nice homage to the special editions where you go into one of the docking bays and there's a Corellian YT-1300 taking off and a bunch of stormtroopers shooting at it. And it's like, ah, that's, they did the thing. They really hate that ship. Right? Okay, I'm going to go back to the first question that I asked you sure. because you did not really answer it, and I want an answer oh. to this. Okay. It stuck with you through Oh sure. middle school, high school, and college. Why do you think it made such an impact on you that you carried it so close to you through three separate stages of life? I did. You're right. I tiptoed around a little bit. Again, immersion. Also, nostalgia. Being that impressionable age. And finding myself and finding those outlets and escapisms from real life. Mysteries of the Sith was one of those big things. For me, being able to just turn it on and go, it was one of those games where I didn't need to put in a ton of time investment. And that's a rare thing for games these days. Like You really got to be able to focus and just dedicate huge chunks of time. Mysteries of the Sith, I can literally pull up my Steam right now, spend five minutes playing, and have an absolute blast with it because of, of how fast-paced you can make it for yourself if you want to just run through and start blasting stuff. Or you want to take your time and explore a little bit, listen to the music, enjoy the ambience of the the, the environments and such. It, it's... Again, it's equal parts, just immersion, feeling like I'm in Star Wars. I I believe this character is real and fleshed out 110%. Heidi Shannon, the voice actress for Mara Jade, like that's Mara Jade. She put everything she had into it and she felt like a real character. Like it wasn't phoning in it or nothing. And again, the nostalgia because of the impact it made on me and the fact that the PC technology didn't outpace the game itself. I could still play it up through Windows XP. And then once it went to Vista, that's when a lot of games just went So. <laughs> yeah. For and people who haven't... And, yeah. And I'm saying, again, it's just uh, being able to wield a lightsaber, use the Force, it, it, Mysteries of the Sith did expand upon... 
the force powers introduced in, in Jedi Knight, including the ability to project yourself, a hologram of yourself, to confuse your enemies. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. It's legit awesome because <laughs> you, you make it and then you run away and then the, the bad guys start pelting at it and then you show up with your lightsaber and murk, 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 <laughs> dead. For those who might have slept on the game, have never heard of this game, and want to just give it a quick look-see, mm-hmm. what do you recommend is the best way to do that? YouTube. Okay. If you have Steam, you can see if it's on Steam. I don't know what the price is. I got it as part of a bundle. I still have the original disc somewhere, but it's not going to work. <laughs> but I, I would always recommend doing some some internet searching for it. Again, it exists out there through gameplay footage that people have taken, reviews in histories and the like. Uh, for me, the one of the best-selling parts of the game is the cover art is Mara Jade in like a, a backswing with her lightsaber with a very serious look on her face, non-hypersexualized, non-gender stereotypes. She's just taking names and kicking butt and purple lightsaber before Mace Windu made it cool... I'd say, as cool, forgive me, forgive me. It's Samuel L. Jackson, what can I say? Yeah, everybody thinks that Samuel L. Jackson is the progenitor of the purple lightsaber. I did until this conversation. I had no idea that she... Because don't they change her to a a yellow lightsaber? She was... I believe she was always purple. She eventually gets Luke's Anakin's lightsaber for a while, and then she builds another purple one. And then when Luke and Mara get married, she gets another blue one. It... They're gotcha. interchangeable, I guess. And actually, I'll even go a step further. Bach, the character from Jedi Knight, is the first on-screen purple lightsaber wielder. Oh. Oh, yes. Yeah, so the, the video game Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight gave us the first on-screen lightsaber footage since Return of the Jedi. Multi-colored lightsabers. First appearance. Sorry, Ray. Yun beat you to it. Isn't that the game that lets you either choose lightsaber colors or... The, that's where the whole lore of what each lightsaber color means? Yes and no. Jedi Knight allows you to pick lightsaber colors for multiplayer. The first time you could actually pick lightsaber colors, I believe, is Knights of the Old Republic. And also Jedi Academy, they released the same year, just several months apart, in terms of single-playerness. Now, for role-playing game purposes, yes, they did assign lightsaber colors to different types of Jedi classes. They do that which. In- Swotar. Uh, honestly, I, I don't understand why they would do that. And that's another topic of conversation for another day because video games actually ruin the force. It's not something you XP and level up. Sorry, people. That's not how it works. Fallen Order actually did it the best in terms of force use in a video game. Almost at the end. So. And then we finally get to the, the meat of what? What? How do you drop that bomb right now? I'm sorry. No, you're not. <laughs> don't lie. I, I kind of am. You, you're Midwestern, sorry. You're Wisconsin, sorry. sorry. Stop. Anyway. Wisconsin. Okay. So we've established everything, and if you want to go see it, check it out on YouTube, possibly if it's stream, if you have. Because, I mean, I've heard that there's some gamers that have got some, what is it, emulators or something that keep old mm-hmm. computers with old uh, yep. stuff just to run games in particular. So if you're one of those people and... You want to give it a shot or no? Let us know how it goes. Let us know how your experience is with it. I've never played mm-hmm. the game. I've only had to hear Ken just 
going on and on about it. So finally I went, okay, we're going to do it on the podcast. Well, now you don't have to listen to me talk about it anymore. Maybe I'll reference it. Maybe I won't in the future. Okay. Steam, <laughs> again, system. this. Yes. Yes. The, the Dark Forces series is available on Steam. It should run on any modern gaming or non-gaming PC. Just be aware that the graphic settings may not be up to modern standards. And that's unfortunate if that's something that doesn't appeal to you. Because I can tell you, just because something is modern doesn't mean it's that good. Sure. I've got a litany of, of games that tried to push the envelope in terms of modern graphics. And they fell flat on their faces. This is a game that deserves at least some kind of look at just because it was one of those forgotten children of an era of Star Wars where it was really starting to come back into the zeitgeist to start being talked about again. The second renaissance of Star Wars was around 1994-ish. That's when the Power of the Force 2 line came out of action figures. We were on the cusp of the special editions. Phantom Menace was a year after the game Mysteries of the Sith released. So... We were at this kind of pre-golden age, second golden age of Star Wars. And now that I've got it out of my system, I'm going to say it one last time. Please check it out. I implore you, people. You don't know what you're missing. Well, I think that that is a great way to end this, Ken. Thank you so much for bringing it to my attention, to our listeners' attention. If you have not played this game yourself, give it a check if you want to. If you have, go ahead, leave your comments about what you think the game was what it meant to you, the good, the bad, the ugly. We would love to hear what you have got to say. Now, the one-month teaser trailer for Obi-Wan was just released, which means we've got one more of our regular episode, which, of course, is going to be guest-starring my friend Crystal. And then right before the first two episodes of the Obi-Wan Kenobi show are released, we're going to give our predictions, our squeals, and our just excitement uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, we're very, very excited. Uh, it was just released that at least in the UK, they dropped the rating down to a 9 plus when Mando was a 14 plus, Book of Boba Fett was a 12 plus. Who knows what that's going to bring? I'm sure that many people are already discussing it right now. The possibilities, if there's even a chance at all. I mean, my little OB teen heart is now going. Does that mean there's no flashbacks with kisses? <laughs> kiss, kiss it, kiss, you, you can kiss in a in a G-rated movie. So yes, so, you can. So that 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 can happen, right? Yes, you can. Just like I'm sure our first Obi Wan review episode, despite the obvious excitement and the fact that we're probably going to have it split up in like six parts because of how much we're going to want to talk about it. Yeah, it's going to be titled "Can You Can 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 Believe It." We finally get Obi Wan Kenobi. I know. I know. I, I just named it. I just named that episode. You did just there name it. it is. Can you there can it is. can? Just for you. Just Thank for you. you. Leah. Just for you. This, is. this is why we do this because you love me so much to do to name these things and appease to my little fandom heart. You know it. Okay, with that, we do have to say goodnight. We want to thank you for joining this discussion with us. As always, it's nice to bust your own tables. Always, always, always tip your waitresses. Don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. And remember, we always serve your kind here. <laughs>